First John and chapter 1. I'll read the whole chapter because last weekend we dealt with the first four verses and we'll be proceeding from there. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal word, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Oh friends, we come this morning to yet another installment in our studies in First John, and if you've been here for the last few weeks, you will recall that we have said that this epistle was written primarily as a letter to assure those of us who have turned from sin and put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that we have eternal life, that we have eternal salvation. That whatever people might be saying, what false teachers might be teaching, whatever we might be experiencing in our lives today, that may perhaps be trials and peculiar temptations, we need to know certain truths to convince us that all is well between our souls and God. And so as we began to make our way through this epistle, we are deliberately taking our time asking ourselves the questions, what is it that is being said here that is a, a form of assurance to convince me that I'm a Christian or to convince me that despite my profession, 
I may not be a Christian. What we noted in the first four verses was that Christianity is experiential. Christianity has to do with me knowing Jesus Christ. Not simply knowing Him intellectually in terms of studying about Him, but knowing Him experientially so that I can say from my heart, I truly know Him. Now, granted, for John the Apostle, he could have spoken in terms of, I have heard Him, I have looked upon Him, I have touched Him, because He walked with Jesus Christ. But, as I said to you previously, there are individuals that also heard Him, saw Him, and touched Him, who are currently in hell. Because, like Herod and Pilate, they did not do so mingled with faith. So ultimately, what matters is not so much that I've seen Him with my naked eyes, but that I have seen Him with my spiritual eyes. That there's a sense in which I have come to know He is real. I've come to know that what He did for me on the cross is real. And I have called upon Him to save me from my sins in a very, very real way. That knowledge is what makes us Christians. That knowledge is that which enables us to have fellowship with God, communion with God, to have a relationship with God, and also a relationship with other Christians. Suddenly, we begin to realize that the person there and that other person there, or the person I work with in my workplace, or I'm in school with in my college, university, or school, that's a child of God because I have fellowship with God, they have fellowship with God, and our hearts seem to, to say a yea and amen when we mingle together over spiritual things. It fills us with joy, a real joy, that those who are not Christians know absolutely nothing about. Well, that's what we saw last week. Today, we move on to yet another way of ascertaining that we are truly Christians. And it is in this passage that begins in verse 5 downwards with a number of if clauses. Basically, the if clauses are meant to, to make us realize that if we fulfill certain conditions, certain results must be obviously true about us. If we have not fulfilled these conditions, certain results will not be true of us. Let's just read verse 5 downwards again, and you, you won't miss the if clauses. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness. There is no if clause there. It is a matter of fact. Now, as a consequence of that reality, look at the if clauses. 
If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. There's your first one. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. There's your second if. Another one. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. There's your third one. Another one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another one. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He doesn't end there. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Here's another one. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He is the propitiation of our sins, and not of ours only, but also for the sins of the world. Here's the third one, rather the last one. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. We can actually go all the way to verse 6, because he just uses other ways of still giving us this if close. But at least we can end there for now. The point there is obvious. God is light. That's his true nature. And because of that, what you do reflects upon you in a particular way. What you do not do reflects upon you in a particular way. Because of who he is. And consequently, you can know if you have eternal life or not. By simply catching on to that reality. And it only makes sense, friends. Because Christianity is about reconciliation with God. Now surely, if, if you've offended me, and you want to be reconciled back to me, the way in which you come to be reconciled back to me, depends on who I am. You can't just cook up your own way of reconciliation. You must ask yourself, what kind of person is he? Therefore, if I do this, I will be reconciled to him. If I don't do this, this will be the consequence. Because this is the kind of being, the kind of person he is. That's all that there is to Christianity. Begin with God. Ask yourself the question, what kind of being is he? Then work backwards. You are going to know today whether you are going to heaven or you are going to hell. You don't even have to wait for the judgment day. You are going to know because you've come to know the kind of God who is there. Well, what does John tell us? Basically, 
If you are a Christian, you will have to come to terms with the fact that God has revealed himself in truth concerning who he is. He has not left anything to chance, anything to guesswork. In fact, in creating the world, he has done so primarily because he's wanted to reveal himself and his true nature, which is what is meant by the phrase light. Let's read verse 5 again. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Now, often when we think about this phrase, we, we automatically go to His holiness. And we think, okay, if what we are saying that, that God is light, we are saying that He is he's holy. He is so pure in His holiness that we should be cringing and running away from him. And in a sense we are right. But we are starting at the tail end of this phrase. Because when the Bible speaks about light under a lot of the circumstances, it's bringing out simply the fact of revelation. Our ability to see at night, when you're in a room and the lights are off, you can't see. You have to guess. This is where I left my cell phone. This is, this is where I put my glasses. This, this is where my shoes are, if it's in your bedroom. And since you know the geography of your bedroom, and if you're waking up in the middle of the night, you have to work by, by guesswork so that you don't bump into something and wake up the whole house in the process. When it's dark. But when you switch on the light, you can really see this is where the items are. No need for guesswork. You can proceed on the basis of truth. What John is saying here is that this is the message we heard from him. Who is this him? Jesus himself. He was among us. And his coming to us was God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, coming to us to let us know the kind of God who is they. And he made one point very clear to us. That God has revealed himself. He's not shrouded in mystery, some eerie mysteriousness, so that we are completely helpless. We don't really know the kind of God who is there, and we should be groping around in darkness, in some kind of obscurity. No. He has revealed himself. And friends, this is one reason why we should thank God for the Bible. He has revealed himself in this book. 
quite apart from creation. And in this book, we've got a trustworthy message. You can read it and know for sure that I am studying the mind of God. He's revealed himself to me through this book, through all creation. And through the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's done so in such a way that he has not allowed any level of darkness to remain. Any form of error so that you might be guessing. He is light and he has revealed himself by very nature. In other words, we can know the truth. We can. He is truth itself. And we can know him. But also, light speaks of goodness. That's what it does. It speaks of goodness in the Bible. Often, when you think in terms of light, you're thinking in terms of the source of health, the source of growth, the source of joy. That's what God is. He is the ultimate good. He is the opposite of gloom, the opposite of decay, the opposite of death. Those are not the kind of things you go looking for in this God. No. He is all good, all health, all progress, all growth, all joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I mean, whatever you think about in the realm of goodness, that's God. That's the God who is there. So when individuals claim to be servants of God, and all they are doing is leaving upon you a sense of misery and gloom. Just put question marks there. They point you to the source of life. To God. That in Him you might find ultimate joy. God is light. One of the ways in which this always comes to my own mind is early morning. I tend to be an early riser. The curtains are still closed and they are thick curtains. But the first sign I have that the sun is up, it's the singing of the birds outside. There is joy in the kingdom of birds. The light has come. Let's get out there. Let's enjoy ourselves. God is light. But thirdly and lastly, which is obviously where our minds tend to run, is that he is morally pure. There is no defilement in him. In that sense, again, he is light. He is ethically pure. 
And anybody who gives you the impression that you can play with sin, mingle with evil, and somehow there's a backdoor entry that you still allow you to use to come into heaven, he's deceiving you. Completely deceiving you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Here's my question this morning. Is that the God you know? A God who doesn't leave you to guess as to who he is? He's revealed himself? A God who is good? Is a source of joy? A source of progress? A source of life? Is that the God you know? A God who hates sin with perfect hatred? Is a God who is of integrity? A God of righteousness? Is that the God you know? That's the God of the Bible. And I plead with you, never compromise on that reality. The moment you compromise on it, you are putting your own soul in danger. John summarizes the essential nature of God in two words. One of them is the more popular one. God is love. We've heard it many times. Here's another one. God is light. His truth. He is goodness. He is holiness. And he's worshipped Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now this invariably has three, rather two implications that John brings to our attention here. The first is this. That you have to come to terms with the fact that since God is like this, you cannot have fellowship with him if you are not like this yourself. You cannot have fellowship with him if you cannot answer to this description yourself. Birds of a feather flock together. This is the way he puts it in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him. While we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. When John says, if we say we have fellowship with him, he's recognizing the fact that a lot of people make such a claim. There are more people who claim to be God's people, to be Christians, to be godly, than they actually are. There are more. More people make a profession of faith 
then actually possess faith. So he's bringing all those who are making a profession of faith, he's saying, come together. Now examine yourselves. And it is this. If you claim to a fellowship with him, but you are walking in darkness. And by walking, all he means is that your, your, your normal way of life is like this. That's what he means by walking. The way in which you conduct yourself is like this. You walk in darkness. The exact opposite of what we just spoke about concerning God. And it's important that we come to terms with that. You see, first of all, it is this aspect of, of truth. If your life is full of obscurity, it's full of hypocrisy, even your friends don't know who you really are. You, you, you've got a, 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 a major wall that, that closes you off from, from the very people around about you. Your life is lived in, in, in the shadows. He's saying, no, that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. Or if you are an individual who is not a source of joy and progress, but rather one of gloom and misery, again, you put a big question mark. Or as he puts it there, one who is living an evil life. A life of sin, morally impure, defiled. He is saying here, and then you are claiming to be a child of God, claiming to be a Christian. He says, you know what? First of all, you are telling lies. You are lying. You are deceiving by your words. But secondly, you are also deceiving by your life. You do not practice the truth. Your very life is sending wrong signals to people because it contradicts your claim. The God who is there is the exact opposite of you. And you yet you are claiming to be having fellowship with Him. That's a lie. Now that's a good test for us. If we claim to be Christians, are we deliberately transparent? Are we? Are we deliberately transparent? Or is half our lives locked away from view? Deliberately. Are we individuals 
who, who bring a blessing to others. Associating with you means joy and gladness. You go and start working in a particular place. You, you, you are in this new classroom or lecture hall. You, you have joined this family and it's as though a breath of fresh air has come in. There's joy, there's gladness. It's like the sun coming up and, and the birds are singing. What a blessing it is to have you. Or are you like a, a lemon that's been squeezed? Are you a person who brings gloom and misery? That I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. It's all about you and having your own way. Doesn't matter about other people's feelings. And where still is your life lived in sin, wickedness, evil, immorality, and you still claim to be a child of God. John is saying, you are lying. You are lying. You are only cheating yourself. That's the bottom line. That was a negative statement. There's a positive one. And it is this. That this reality concerning God also means that if you are truly his child, you have begun to experience the blessed implications of his essential character in your, listen, your relationship with other people and with God himself. Your relationship with other people and with God himself. These are the blessings that come out of it. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, there we are. He's not just light, but he is in the light too. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. You would have thought that he would say, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. But lo and behold, he says we have fellowship with one another. And the reason is obvious. John here is concerned about the test of our salvation. The proof of our salvation. And we can all do guesswork with God, you know, before I sleep I pray. Before I eat I pray. So I'm sure I must be having fellowship with God. But to the question, are you having fellowship with true believers, the children of God, who are walking in sincerity, in holiness, those whose lives are open, those who are a blessing to others, those who are living a morally upright life, are you in fellowship with them? Is there communion with them? That becomes a different story. 
Because darkness, by its very nature, is antisocial. It kills fellowship. The moment a person begins to hide things, invariably he is withdrawing from any meaningful, intimate dealings with other people. It's invariable. You don't want them to know what's going on. So even when your friends, perhaps you've knocked off from work and they're asking you where you've been in the evening, you say, well, I'm meeting some friends. You can't say who those friends are. I'll be going here and there. You know the last one who said to and fro on the face of the earth was the devil. You can't speak in definite terms. It's always, well, you know, I, I, I was with some friends yesterday. Friends. Which friends? John? Mary? Talk! You can't. Because whatever it is, it's wrong. It's wrong. So you must hide these things away. Your so-called friends, they don't know where you are. They don't know where you live. They don't know where you work. They don't know who your close friends are. It's just somehow you, you show up. A few moments later, you disappear. Nobody knows. Consequently, even when you are together, you can't speak in terms of realities that are happening in your life, ever. It's all about just, you know, PFMMD. PFMMD. HH. Because you can speak about those things, they're far from you. You can't speak in terms of my trials, my victories, what happened to me yesterday. My aspirations. There's no visibility whatsoever. That's not fellowship. That's not fellowship. And before long, your friends begin to realize something just ain't right here. Although we text each other, when I now read the text messages, let me tell you, they don't tell me anything. Nothing. Similarly, darkness is antisocial, not simply because it hides things, but also primarily because it simply fosters a spirit of fear. A kind of individual who always makes you cringe is not the kind of individual before whom you want to be vulnerable and you want to open up with all your weaknesses, failures, and trials. No, you can't. So you too are on your defense. And a defensive position is not a position of fellowship. It's not. You only open up with an individual. Who you know is a blessing. Person who accepts you as you are. And ministers love into your life. Darkness 
is also antisocial because sin is painfully selfish. It's painfully selfish. Where there is sin, there cannot be true fellowship. There cannot be true fellowship. When somebody loves his sin and hangs on to it for dear life's sake, just know we can't have fellowship here anymore. It's out of the question. Hence it says, when you're walking in the light, one of the ways in which you see it is the fellowship with God's people. You are relaxed. When your phone rings, you're not just quickly jumping for it and uh, excuse me, and then you go outside now. Just, just answer. I tell them I'm, I'm doing something. Relaxed. That's, that's Christianity. It's, it's fellowship. Nothing to hide. Nothing. You are free. Am I talking to people here? Who are free? Huh? Or am I talking to individuals who, if I approach your wardrobe, you're already putting your back against it? What do you want? You, you are invading my privacy. My privacy. Can you please stand over there? The Lord is telling us here that the, the blessing is that a person who is like this also experiences the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. The reason is obvious. It's because your integrity begins with God. That's where it begins. You are open, first of all, with God. When your soul is defiled, you're already beginning with God. God, look at what has happened. God, His dirty thoughts. God, these wrong affections, God, these sins of omission and sins of commission, Lord, forgive me. I want to have fellowship with you. Cleanse me. And God loves that. And He cleanses you with the blood of Jesus. But the, 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 the folly of hypocrisy is that you are hiding to God who sees everything. You are hiding from Him who already knows. One who is himself walking in the light is one who is seeking to be a blessing to others. And you know what happens when there are interpersonal clashes? So that I can't be a blessing to my brother, to my sister. 
I go to God and I say, Lord, help me. There is a wrong attitude. Help me. Something wrong here. That's why I cannot relate freely with my brother and my sister. And yet we're going to heaven together. Lord, deal with me. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Are you seeing the point? As you walk in the light, as he is in the light, invariably this ongoing day by day cleansing will be happening. Because you'll be keeping short accounts with God. Are you experiencing this blessing? Are you? This is the first if clause. And it's very clear. If you only begin with who God is, I'm telling you, there's no guesswork. You're going to know, even now, whether things are right between you and God or not. You don't need a prophet to come and start deciphering mysterious things to you. No. You know it. You know it. You know it. So the whole power of these if clauses is to say life has its implications. The way you are living today tells you where you are going. It's not a matter of lucky chance. It tells you where you are going. Just the way you are living today, whether you are going to heaven or you are going to hell, it tells you. And simply sprinkling your life with going to church on a Sunday will not change anything. It's who God is. So if you ever forget... Anything else in this life, remember this. God is light. It's of his very essence. He is light. He is truth. He is goodness. He is holiness itself. What can I say concerning those three characteristics? About myself. And of course, ultimately, it is that holiness that threatens us. One hymn writer who thought much about this wrote the hymn, and I wanted our friends to show it on, on the screen. Eternal light. Eternal light. He, he was obviously meditating on, on who God is as he and it says, there we are, eternal light, eternal light. How pure a soul must be when placed beneath thy searching light shrinks not. But in calm delight can live and look on thee. The next stanza says, the spirits that surround thy throne, they may bear something of that burning bliss. But that is surely theirs alone, for they've never, never known a fallen world like this. 
In other words, they are pure themselves, so I can understand them dwelling in that pure light. They've got nothing to hide. They've never sinned. But oh, he goes on to say, how shall I, whose native sphere is dark, whose mind is dim, before the indescribable appear, and on my naked spirit bear that indescribable being. How? That light burning upon me as a sinner. But I love the answer because there are three things that you must have. There is a way for man to rise to that sublime abode. And what are they? First of all, an offering and a sacrifice. In other words, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, a Holy Spirit's energies. God's Spirit working in our hearts. And thirdly, an advocate with God. God Himself speaking to the Father concerning us. Do you have those things? Do you hide in those things? Are you trusting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus? Has the Holy Spirit begun to work in your soul to the point where you know that this life I live cannot be me. It's God who has worked this in me. Are you trusting in a Savior who's not just dead but alive and speaking to the Father on your behalf? The hymn that we'll be singing in closing is Shine, Jesus, Shine. But the second stanza, if we, are we able to turn to it? The second stanza, yes. Lord, I come to your awesome presence. The difficulty in that first hymn that we sang is that I'm a fallen creature. I want to hide away from you. But we've been given the answer. is through Jesus Christ. This is what you should be saying this morning. I'm now going to dare to come into your awesome presence. I'm going to come out of the shadows today. I'm coming into the radiance of your light. By the blood, we've just talked about it, I may enter your brightness. Lord, search me, try me, consume all my darkness, shine on me. And I pray that you will mean it. So that beginning today you may start walking in the light. Leave behind your hypocrisy. Leave behind the shadows. Leave behind all that goes with a life that God will condemn. And pray to Him that He may truly save you. Amen.